welcome to another exciting episode. Actually, this one's a special of the Unplugged podcast. I am your host, Randy Osei, founder and CEO of the Athlete Tech Group. And today I'm joined by uh, one of the best big men in the NBA today, uh, Andre Drummond. Andre is a vet, um, U.S. Olympic gold medalist, two-time All-Star, four-time NBA rebounding leader, and uh, was once all third NBA team. Andre, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you doing, brother? Doing well, man. Doing well. Uh, just living the dream, as they would say. So obviously, you know, you know, just finished a, a great year, um, finished a little bit earlier than you wanted to. But let's start a little bit earlier. You're from Mount Vernon, New York City. Um, uh, talk to us about, you know, your childhood growing up. Where did you see yourself? Uh, did you always see yourself as a basketball player? Did you see yourself maybe as a yeah. baseball player, a lawyer, a doctor? Like, what was Andre's childhood like? You know, my childhood is funny. You know, I was born in Mount Vernon, New York, but um, I lived in Connecticut most of my life, and that's where I consider home. Middletown, Connecticut is where, you know, I consider I'm from, and that's home for me. Uh, my upbringing was all basketball. You know, I was just playing, having fun with the game. You know, it was a game that I had a lot of passion for and joy for. And, you know, I was never really good until I got to high school. So you can imagine just the frustration and the, you know, the agony of just bad play after bad play, you know, not playing games. I wasn't good enough. So just the frustration of that, but having the will to want to stick with it and then be a part of the game still knowing that it can take me somewhere knowing that playing at the highest level is my end goal. And, you know, I stuck with it. I continued to work, played hard and, you know, I got to the point where I started to get a little buzz around my name throughout high school. Then I became the number one player in the country. And then all the college and NBA talks started to happen. And basketball was always something that I strive for. And that's like what I set my mind to. I didn't really have any other visions of what else I wanted to do till obviously later on now in my life, where I'm a little bit older in my career, where I know what I want to do when I'm done playing. We could obviously touch on that later, but... <clears throat> Yeah, basketball was my main focus in, in the beginning of my upbringing, and that's what really propelled me to just keep going, just keep going. Like, I love the game, and I love what came with it. I love the process. I loved how much negativity came with it and how much positive could come with it and how much you can take away from the game. And just enjoying those moments and years of, you know, winning, the losing, and the season I had this year. You know, I thought this season was probably one of the most humbling seasons for me. Uh, as a player to, you know, go from being traded to a team in Cleveland to sitting out for two months. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of highs and lows in this league, going from being a man to being somebody who's watching on the sidelines. And I know what that feels like. And I never knew what that situation would bring because it's never happened to me before in my life where I just wasn't playing. And to be a part of that, it just happened to, it taught me how to be still. And, and and let what happened happen. Like continue to stay the course. Don't allow it to affect you negatively. Just stay the course and, you know, do what you're supposed to do till what's next is going to happen. And uh, it really taught me to just be still and not have a reaction. Because a lot of people were like, yo, why don't you react differently? Why don't you, you know, say anything in the media or do anything of that sort? And I felt for me as a player now, I've matured where nobody really fucking cares. <laughs> What I have to say. I mean, if you if you want if you want to be honest, nobody really cares. I mean, I could talk about it 
to to them blue in the face. I mean, nobody really gives a shit what I have to say in terms of me not playing. All they're gonna say is suck it up. So I even talk about it. So I got to the point where I didn't really care anymore. And I started working on me. I started working on my personal ventures outside of basketball. I continued to work out to the best of my ability with the facilities that were given to me, you know, due to not being a part of the team. And, you know, later on where the where the buyout came to play is when, you know, I was making a big decision now, another big decision in my life to decide where I need to go for the rest of the city, uh, rest of the city, rest of the year and find out if this city is going to be my my next stop. And obviously I chose, I chose the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, I went through the rest of the season with them. Um, injuries was our, was our, our crutch. It was everybody's crush this year. Yeah, everybody. I mean, it, 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 killed, it killed everybody this year. And for us, mainly the two guys that we need were the two guys that were hurt. <laughs> so, and it, it was tough to tough to see that. And, you know, it almost was like, damn, I just, I can't get a break. Like, I <laughs> I thought I made the right choice coming here. And, you know, you know, here we go again, you know, with the, with the misfortune. But, you know, at the end of the day, God has a plan for everybody. And what's supposed to happen is supposed to happen. So this wasn't my time to have that kind of success in basketball yet. So I'm going to continue to stay the course, play to the best of my ability, like I always say, and just let allow what's supposed to happen to happen. Absolutely. Control what I can control. You touched on a lot of key things there, you know, perseverance, um, you know, staying humble, working hard, you know, working when people aren't watching. Um, I I think that's what makes uh, athletes, basketball players so special is your ability to focus. Right. And they say, you know, athletes make great business uh, folks, Uh, that ability to focus, stay disciplined, stay the course is is what makes, you know, and brings success. So although I know I'm sure you didn't reach your you guys didn't reach your goals this year, uh, I I believe I've read that you want to return back to L.A. and and hopefully bring a a title there um, as well. But recently, you know, NIL is, is, is something that's just happened, right? And uh, I know you're about 10 years removed from college. <clears throat> you did one year at UConn. If, if NIL was around back 10 years ago, what, what kind of deals do you think you would have been pulling back then? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what the, <laughs> it was funny because me, me and my, me and my uh, friends were talking about that yesterday. Like, like, bro, imagine if you had this same thing when you were in college. Like, with the buzz I had coming out of school, I'd have been making what I made now. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it'd have been crazy. I mean, just just to think about that, but I'm I'm really happy about it though. I'm really happy about it. I'm not sour, bitter about it. I mean, what the hell am I going to do? But I can't do anything about it. It happens. I mean, there's, it it wasn't the right time during my era for that to happen. I think it it wouldn't have been fair for our era. Like for our era players or what we had coming out. I mean, think about it. Steph Curry, uh, Will Barton, Jokic. I mean, think about the guys that played in the U.S. Not even just Jokic, guys that played in the U.S. that had that had that light, and how big college basketball got during those 2010s, 11s, and you know, so on and so forth. Uh, you know, the marketing would have been crazy. We would have like, why, why the hell are we going? We going to stay in college the whole time for sure, all four, all four years. Then the NBA players ain't <laughs> they gonna be playing today 50 till all these younger players come in? Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, so it gets it gets to that point. But I think now that we're in a time where it's more acceptable. It's, it's, it's like not it's not look it's not frowned upon anymore because right. like, you think about it like all the stories that come out i mean you could use reggie bush as an example i mean it took his whole heisman trophies away all these players that you know got scandals were getting paid for just to go to that school i mean imagine if we had the chance to just okay if you want to pay me i would love to come to your school 
without worrying about losing a year of college and not being able to play, then your coach getting suspended and all this, all this ruckus for no reason, just for things that we deserve as players. If you think, if you think about college players, some players put in four or five years of school and ha don't have a dime to show for it. Some of them don't make it to the NBA and they'd spend their whole life trying to play this sport that we all know and love and don't get compensated for like after the game, after they're done playing in college and they don't, don't make it to wherever it may be. It's just like, damn, not only did I, not only did I get compensated for probably winning a championship or being the best player in your school, I'm in fucking debt right now. <laughs> you got, like now I got, now I got to figure out how to be a regular person now and live in it. And it, it's stressful. I can imagine it being stressful for people. Absolutely. So, so I feel like now with, with that rule coming out now, I think college basketball is going to become more fun. Kids are gonna have something to play for. It's gonna be it's gonna be more intense. Like it's gonna be like March Madness every night. You know, I hate watching college basketball sometimes because it's slow, boring, and yeah. unless it's a big game, like nobody wants to see that shit. Right. And we'll see we'll see you in March when it matters. But <laughs> <laughs> I feel, I feel like, I when feel it like matters. Yeah, where it matters, man. That's when it, that's when everybody really starts to play. So I feel like now that money's involved and endorsement deals are involved, I think kids are gonna go crazy. Like they're gonna it's gonna be like a championship game every night. Because not only are you are you playing on the biggest stage now, you may or may not get paid after this game for having a big night. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You know, I think about you know sneaker deals, right? You know, UConn's a Nike school. Uh, what if you you know uh, commit to UConn and Adidas comes calling and says, "Hey, we want to pay you to wear our sneakers," but your school, yeah, like, like how? I'm I'm just so curious to to, to find out how are they going I don't to? Think, I don't think sneakers will be a thing. I don't think they'll do sneakers. I think it'd be too much of a conflict of issue. I read that it might be a thing. I read that it might how? be a thing. I, I don't know how they're going to do it. How? Listen, the NCAA makes enough money. They make enough money to figure, figure it out. They'll, They'll figure, figure it out. They'll figure it out. Problem, right? Unless it's just that kid that has to wear it, wear exactly. whatever he has to wear. Exactly. So um, thanks so much for your, you know, your, your points on that. Uh, going back to the NBA, you know, they, they say it's hard to make it to the NBA it's even harder to stay in the NBA. You know, you've been an all-star rebounding leader um, and have done some great things in your career. Talk about, you know, the, the, the pressures of the league that people yeah. don't see. People just think you get up and play basketball every day, right? They don't see you got to be up for team practice at nine and get there at eight and come back for shoot around. And mm -hmm. you may be arriving to the arena at 7.30 to watch the game, but a lot of you guys are there at four. Literally workouts in <laughs> showering, lifting, you probably sweat three times and shower three times before jump ball. So just talk about the, you know, the grind within the NBA, yeah. how much uh, focus and uh, energy you really need to put to, to, to just stay in the league, not even be great, but just to stay in the league. Yeah. It's, cr it's crazy. You said that, that it's harder to stay in the league than it is to get drafted. In my opinion, I think it's easier to be drafted than it is to stay in the league. You got to think, the life expectancy of a rookie is three to four years. Right. And once you pass that three to four years, like, okay, I made it to my next contract. Now I got to worry about these next five years now. But getting to that first, second, third year, you may not even be playing those years if you're not one of those guys. Like, if you're not one of the high-tier guys, you may get into the NBA, but you may never see the floor. Right. You'll be practicing your ass off, being there at 6 a.m., you know, working out with the coaches two hours before practice and then got to go through a full practice, then have to stay after a workout again then get to the arena four hours before shoot around just to work out before your shoot time, do the walkthrough, then work out again before the game and then go sit on the bench all game. <laughs> and then work out after the game. And yeah, then work out <laughs> after the game too. So 
I think it's so crazy how how difficult it is to stay in the NBA. You know, I, it's it's funny that you know I, you asked that question again too because I was just watching my career on YouTube in my living room, like where I'm sitting right now, like this morning, right before I got on this call. I was watching my career from 2012 to present day, and I was looking at room out and I said to my friend Martin, I was like, "Yo, I've been in the NBA for a long ass time. Like this is 10 years. You're old. <laughs> like." Well, I'm 27. I'm not old. I'm 27. You're old in NBA right NBA years, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm considered four. a veteran right now. Exactly. I'm considered a veteran right now. I mean, 10 years in, I'm 27. That's a little bit unheard of, too. I came, I got blessed by coming in early. But, yeah, I was watching my career. I'm like, damn, 2012. I don't even remember half of these games. <laughs> and the thing, the thing that's crazy is I'm, like, jumping at my own highlights. Oh, shit, I did that. I did that. <laughs> Like, whoa, like that, that is crazy. So then to watch that and then to think about today and to think about the preparation of like how I've changed and like my focus for the game has changed from watching myself in 2012. Like, I think I, some of the games I was watching, I was like, damn, I know what I did the night before. Like, I remember like what I did that game pre-game to even get to that, you know, intensity level. And it starts to give you like these chills when you start to watch those games all over again. You start to like really fall back in love with the game again, like, damn. I really do this shit. Like I've been, I've been here for a long time. Like this is, it's, it's incredible. And I'm, and I'm blessed and honored to be in a position I'm in to make a name for myself. You know, as one of the best rebounds, rebounders to ever play. Um, just with the touch on that focus aspect of the game, like there's just so much little intangible things that people don't see to that, that we need to get ourselves going before games. Like I'll give you an example. When we travel, we go to different cities. We get there the night before a game. Some guys have their own staff that come into town, give them stretches, they live like me. Like I have four different people on staff that work with me personally, just to get me prepared for a game that lasts two and a half hours. Question, 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 before you move on, why? Because we know teams have these trainers and strength trainers and conditioners and all of these folks that are supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I pretty much understand the reason why that you know athletes would do that because i know you do that you know lebron does that there's a lot of guys that do it because a lot of these trainers spend their whole year with you so they know you in yeah. and out. but why why do you do it during the season yeah so I'll, I'll start from when i wasn't doing it to why i do it now so i think for me personally why i think guys get their own trainers is because i know for me as a rookie when i first came in and i didn't know the stuff I knew now about like what it took to make sure your body was where it needs to be. You know, I was using our training staff, but you got to think there's 15 guys on our team. You're not gonna be able to build that relationship with that trainer because they got to worry about six or seven other people on top of what they got to know for you. And some days they may not be available just due to timing. Yep. And people don't get to see that. Like there's some games where I didn't even get a chance to stress before a game where I just had to just go out there cold turkey. Oh no, oh my knee. That hurt my knee just hearing that. <laughs> Crazy, I like, just go out there and just play. And there's some night, there's some nights where you know people forget forget like their orthotics for their shoes. They got to wear a different pair of shoes they never wore before. Oh, like, there's so many different little things why people end up getting their own staff for the things that you can't get done with your team can get done. Right. And moving forward to my not my my current years now, why I have a staff of people that work with me. You know, I have a guy that does physical therapy. I have my own strength coach. Like, I don't even live with my own team strength coach because obviously, like, again, he has to deal with 15 people. 
So I don't have to make my own schedule. I know when I can work out with my trainer and it's going to be consistent. He comes with me on the road. I fly him with me. You know, I have my own physical therapist who does all the work for my body, make sure I'm stressed out the right way, make sure everything is moving and mobile. And then, you know, I have a guy that stretches me. You know, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I've got it. Have a, I have a nutritionist that travels with me as well, too. So, and, and, and I've my, um, my friend Martin, I keep mentioning, you know, he's like my assistant. So he makes sure he makes sure all the logistics is right. When we get to the hotel, make sure everybody, all the guys have different, their different spots for me to go to work out. So we've got to reserve rooms. we got to reserve the gym. So like there's different things that go into that. Now on game days, you know, obviously due to the NBA, you know, we can't bring those guys into the arena unless you have, you know, a certain relationship with that team. You know, you got to do that a little bit earlier. You got to do a little couple hours before you go to the arena. So I'm, I'm up six hours before the game actually starts. So I really only nap for about an hour and a half if you wow. want to do the timing right. Wow. So it's crazy. That's that in itself is 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 an investment into the longevity of your career. I mean, 10 years in, you're 27, turning 28 in August, I believe. Yep. Doing this now allows you to play at 36, 37, 38, 39. Exactly. 40 if you want to hopefully you can hopefully you touch 40 we, a lot of guys are retiring at 34 so yeah sure. we'll no, no, I'm, I'm gonna try to make it <laughs> we'll, we'll see how far you go um and thank you so much for sharing that because it's it's important for people to understand how busy you guys are like so much people just think you guys just get on planes play basketball and party and hang out like, yeah it's, 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 it's a it's full time job and a half because then you still got to have a personal life on top of that so um the crazy thing is you need to touch on the mental aspect of the game right? oh man we don't have that we don't have that kind of time we don't have we that don't. Kind of we time. To, we touch on the, the mental aspect now you gotta think about playing in front of all these thousands of people yeah and you have to perform you have to perform have to and if you don't it is going to be on front page news on espn the next morning you might get released. The team might trade you. Like it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of pressure. And, you know, finding that mental balance between sports, personal family and everything else is, is, is a lot. And this is why I feel that athletes make some of the best business men and women and entrepreneurs is, you know, what pressure is, right. You know how to deal been with there. it. You've been there. Been there. Absolutely. So now I want to just uh, transition a little bit into Andre Drummond off the court. You know, like right now it's this cool temperament guy. You just look like you're chilling at home. You got the white glass. You probably got a, a, some wine in front of you. Um, it's, somewhere, it's somewhere in the area. <laughs> it's, um, it, about to enjoy your weekend. Uh, what does life off the court look like for you? I know, you know, we've met some time way back uh, i remember uh 2016 when we had the all-star weekend in toronto you dj'd our party uh, yeah which was which i i don't remember who said someone said oh andre wants to dj and i said what they're like yeah like he wants to dj and i thought it was a joke to be honest with you i thought people were playing and they're like nah he's got his stuff where did where did that 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 love for music come from and, and wanting to actually dj and you know bring that energy to a party so, so crazy thing is, um, when I, when I came into the NBA, you know, obviously I wasn't in school in my first three years in, I was like, damn, I feel like I'm getting dumber. I gotta, I gotta like teach myself something. <laughs> 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 I, wake up, 
I'm getting dumber, dumber as the years go on. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do something with my, with my mind. So I made a, I made a pact to myself every summer from there on, I would teach myself a new hobby and I would master it before I move on to the next thing. So after year three, you know, like I said, I felt like I was, I was getting dumber. It got into the year four. So the, the passion for music grew that year. I've always loved music. I've been I've been in the choir since I've been a little boy, so I've always had the music background, but I never really touched on it because I was always scared to do it because I'm bigger than everybody else. Like, why is my big ass doing music? <laughs> well, touched on that in a minute. So, um, so the love for music came that year where I started to really expand my music palette, where I started to listen to everything. Hold and on, every- did you guys just hear what he said? Expand my music palette. Continue, <laughs> sir. Continue. <laughs> So, so when, you know, when I started doing that, I got to the point where I was going, I started going out a little bit more. I was 23 and I started going out a little more. I'm starting to be in clubs and I'm seeing the reaction of people. Like when you're an entertainer, you find other things to become, like to enjoy the entertaining aspect. Like what more can I do? So being at clubs and, you know, really seeing the DJ and how he controlled the room, no matter what he played, you could be playing rap and then turn to R&B and you'll still get the same reaction depending on what song it is. Right. And that's where the love of DJing came. So that summer, going before going into my all-star year, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna teach myself how to DJ. So I bought all the equipment. I, I bought my own laptop. I downloaded Serato. I downloaded more music than my brain can ever process. And I went at it. And the crazy thing is I've DJed in some crazy places. I've DJed in Toronto at your party. I'll talk, I'll talk about that story in a minute why I wanted to do it, but I DJed in Miami, I did Denmark, I did Germany, I did China. Oh. Um, I've been, I DJed in Vegas, LA. Wow. Uh, Dallas, you know, I've, I've DJed all over the, all Boston. Wow. Boston too, DJing in Boston too, all over, all over the fucking world, man. So. To touch on the the that was my first thing that I did the gig I did for you guys was the first time I did it live. Wow! And guys, was, it's expensive by the way. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't cheap. Uh, it was he. I think you were on for about thirty. I think I might have some clips from that and maybe some pictures from that that hopefully we'll we'll, we'll post. That was on for like at least 30, 30 plus minutes. Yeah, you came on for about 30, 45 minutes. Um, and. Everyone's like, huh? You just saw as you walk towards the DJ booth, you just see all these people at this height, and you see this six <laughs> eleven monster just walking by, walking to the DJ booth, and you just come on, and all you hear is, "What's up, y'all?" It's Andre Drummond. Like we know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you killed that shit that night. Um, but sorry, continue, continue the story. So yeah, so I so my, I'm standing with my friends, like, yo, bro, you should DJ. I'll be like, oh, that's too many people. I'm scared. I've never done it live. I've only done it at the house and in front of you guys. I can't do this shit in front of people. Like, what do you think? I'm gonna mess up. Like, I can't kill the party for everybody. Cause like, all right, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna put, we're gonna put a folder together with the must play songs. And after that, figure that shit out by yourself. So like, all right, cool, we'll do that. So I'm sitting in the corner. So mind you, I'm making a playlist while the party's going on. I'm sitting down like on the floor, like putting songs together. So then I get up, I'm like, all right. Let's take a shot and let's do this thing. So I get up there and, you know, the rest is history from there. Amazing. So you started in Toronto. That's amazing. I'm going to let all my friends know that we launched Andre Drummond's DJ career. Do you still DJ as of today? I actually don't. I still can, but I actually make music now. I got to make my own music. So there's this, there's this narrative around 
Uh, it's an age-old narrative of basketball players wanting to be rappers and rappers wanting to be basketball, be basketball players. players. Yeah. Share your perspective on that narrative and, and why it's why well, is it like that? Well, first of all, it's not a narrative. It's true. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you, if you see current times, you see all the rappers working out with so-called NBA trainers. Yeah. Doing like real workouts, like yeah. like guys that are respectable trainers and doing real workouts with these rappers. I mean, obviously it's a hobby, you know, it's good content. So I'm not discrediting their, you know, training skills, but it looks a little crazy sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, like I'm seeing some of these rappers like do these workouts that I be doing. I'm like, yo, at least tailor it to like, yeah, for the audience. yeah like it, lo it looks a little crazy with them trying to do all these moves, you know, but some of the guys can really play. Like I'm, I'm really cool. I'm cool. Chris Brown. I'm, he's obviously the hell of a basketball player. Uh, Lil Durk is a good basketball player. I mean, you go on the list, Vaughn. Um, but yeah, but with the athlete side of it, I feel like it's more acceptable and people hate it because mm. it's easy for us to step into that realm. Well, guys that at least know how to do it. I mean, I mean, not everybody that's an athlete can make music. I've heard some really bad music before from athletes, but there's a lot of guys, not even just basketball, football, baseball, go on the list of, you know, athletes that are really, really talented. And, you know, they get shunned by the media because like, oh, why are you doing that? Why are you staying in your lane for what? You don't have a lane. Though. That's the crazy but part. What? We don't. We don't come to your job. And say, yo, we. Don't, I don't believe you can be the be the owner of this company one day. Like, why can't you be the? Why can't you own this? Why can't you be the manager? Exactly. Have a vision. Like, if I want to be a rapper, let me be a fucking rapper. Like, <laughs> so. With that, I mean, that's just that's just a, a common thing. You know, I think nowadays it's a little more accepted. Like, people want to hear more from us. Like, I know for me personally, I've made my own separate account, and I think that's the smartest thing I've ever done when I start doing music is separating my basketball from music. And it's starting to become more appreciated because it's like, all right, we know if we want to see his basketball stuff, we go to his main page. But we also know he does music, which also has a pretty decent following. And now I can look at it from a different, like a different, you know, view, right. not as a basketball player. I'm looking at somebody who's a whole different person now because it's a different at name, right. despite the name being my last name, obviously. So I think people are starting to find ways to accept it more and, you know, give a true unbiased opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember, I remember being a young boy and hearing uh, Allen Iverson coming <laughs> out with music. And I just remember one line that he said, I think it was AI. Yeah, it was AI. <laughs> he said, when I pop a shot, I don't give a fuck who I hit. Whoa, AI, I don't think you can just come yeah, up with that. <laughs> and, I think that's, like and, I think, that. and I think that's another problem, too. I think lyrically, like, what some guys say is what probably causes people to be like, why are you talking like this? You exactly. Millions of dollars. What? Some of these people really live that life, and they got to talk about this shit. So, you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, if that's what they do, that's what they do. I mean, some people say just because it sounds good, and that's what's current in music right now. But some people really have experienced some of these things they're rapping about. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, can we expect a, an album, an EP in the next little bit? Maybe some collab. Yeah, I'm actually working on my album right now. I uh, should be done with it by the end of this month, and I'll put it. I always put my albums on my birthday, so I'll have it out on August 10th. Amazing, amazing. Well, we look forward to it. Another thing that you know we've we've seen in the world recently is is this crave of NFTs and non fungible tokens and so on and so forth. You haven't put one out yet. Um, no. Is this something that you're planning to jump into? And uh, what about it excites you? Yeah, so I think with this new up and coming thing with the NFTs and the whole digital market, 
you know, I was a little iffy about it because I wasn't knowledgeable about it. And I think I did enough research to know that this is a no brainer for me. And it's something that I'm very interested in and something that is going to be really cool for the fans. And I'm actually dropping an NFT on the ninth. And there's some cool experiences and opportunities to get in there. So, you know, it's first come, first serve. You know, there's limited amount of spaces. Uh, a few of the things I'm doing, you know, the main thing is creating a basketball shoe with me and, you know, coming out to a game and I'll play in the shoe that we create and I'll sign it for you after the game and give it to you. And there's another one where it is, I'm a gamer as well too. So one of the other NFTs is, you know, you you win that. I think there's like four or five. So it'll be five different winners to get that where, you know, we'll get on a live stream and we'll play whatever game you want to play or if you want to just chat while I play, it doesn't really matter. So there's one for that. Um, yeah, I said the general one already. Marty's over here helping me out. He's got my clip no 10 hung up. <laughs> What's up, my guy? Hope you're well. Hope you're well. <laughs> over there. Yo, make sure you say this. Make sure you yeah. say this. No, got the clip notes up right here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then we have a general NFT where you know you'll get a signed basketball or anything of your your choosing. And I think that probably has the more thing. It's like 300 plus slots for that. Or you know, you get a chance to get an autograph from me personalized with your name and on all that stuff. Absolutely. That's amazing. Um, so this sounds like it's more of a fan engagement experience. We're yeah. not here to make money. This is to, to to give back and smart because you're dropping it a month before the album drops. I see what you're on. I see what yeah. this guy's a marketer. <laughs> this guy's <laughs> a marketer. Um, lastly, I wanted to just you know touch on you know the the other part. You, you mentioned your ventures uh, while you came to LA for for the two months. You you started well. You continue to build on that. Uh, more recently, uh, I've read a couple of deals that you've gotten into, which have been absolutely amazing. Um, we'll talk about one of the first ones, which is uh, you were part of the Dapper Labs opportunity and yeah. NBA Top Shot. Um, <laughs> talk about, you know, there was a lot of athletes that got into that deal, but, you know, how did you get into that deal? Uh, what did you like about that deal? And um, ultimately, what excites you about what Dapper Labs is doing? Yeah, I think Dapper Labs is a very respectable company. And, you know, one of my one of my really close friends who was, is the head of the stake of this whole operation for the athlete side of it, of getting guys in, you know, he called me one day and said, you know, do you want to be a part of this? And, you know, Harvard's in my backyard. You know, I'm from Connecticut. And I, I was like, it's a no-brainer. I mean, it's something that is going to be beneficial to the community out there. It's something that needs to be, you know, redone and, you know, molded for us. Oh wait, I think you're talking. We're talking about the uh, Dapper Labs NBA Top Shot. Oh, top Shot, Top Shot. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. You're talk we're, we'll talk. We'll talk about Harvard after. We'll talk yeah, about Harvard after. Yeah, that. But um, <clears throat> with the Top Shot thing, is same. Well, actually, the same guy, same guy, Rudy. You know, shout out to Rudy for this one too. Um, you know, similar to the NFT experience. You know, owning owning a clip of you know your favorite play. I mean, it's it's. I think it's pretty cool to have that because people always try to like screen record certain plays to you know, keep forever or put as a highlight. I think the top shot to, you know, own that video is, it's pretty cool. Absolutely. Um, so relationships is, you know, how we, how we get access to some of these things and how quick was it for you to kind of pull the trigger? You know, we, we always hear about the due diligence process and take your time and yeah. look at the financials. Was it a, you know, the deal came, took a couple hours, like, you know what, Rudy, I trust you, or did you have like a one week, two week, three week? Uh, usually, 
you know, usually we run through the numbers. My uh, financial guy and I will run through the numbers, you know, by like a week, two weeks. He'll go through everything. He'll list, you know, this is what we'll expect in return or, you know, this is what we're giving and this is where it's going. And these deals that he brought were no brainers. It didn't take too long to really go through everything. It were things that I wanted to be a part of and stuff that you know, I can relate to. So it was easy to get that done. Quick and easy. Yeah. Now Dapper Labs is over, I think it's valued over 2 billion. Mm -hmm. so I think you're, you've made uh, almost a 10 X already. So that's amazing. Congrats on that. The other opportunity <clears throat> that uh, recently came out was uh, this Harvard mixed use development opportunity you and four other players joined the fund after harvard asked the developer if they would sell five percent of the project to black and latino people the developer agreed and now around 150 black and latino investors including real estate professionals and tech workers have come on board talk to us about this opportunity how did it come about you know kyle Lowry's in the deal drew holidays in yeah. the deal andre gudala's in the deal Talk to us about that one. I feel like I feel like Andre Iguodala is like the president of investments for NBA players. I mean, he knows literally everything. Every every tech summit that there is, he's either speaking or he's mentioned in it. And anything that he he touches, you know, I try to be a part of. You know, he's a very very intelligent guy. Uh, he knows the business. He knows the ways. You know, I try to learn as much as I can from him. And with this, when it was presented to me, you know, the way he explained it, and you know, having this ownership of something that's bigger than me is uh, something obviously I didn't take too much time to think about that I wanted to be a part of. That's amazing. Uh, Kyle Lowry, Drew Holiday, Andre, uh, Dre Drummond. We, we hear about athletes from, usually we hear about these locker room deals. Have you, have you been a part of any locker room deals? Like, you know, as a guy come in like, hey, I just, you know, I just put down X amount of dollars into this deal. Do um, you want access? Like, have you heard of those locker room deals? Because you guys all play on different teams, right? So yeah, I think I think it hasn't happened to me in my career till I was in Cleveland with uh, Matthew Delvado, but he's very uh, adamant with his Bitcoin thing. So <laughs> he's, he's definitely the spokesman for Bitcoin. I mean, he he sends me articles every other two days, you know, about the Bitcoin rising, falling, one to buy, one to take out, and. You know, he's very, very sold on it. So that's probably the biggest thing I've heard so far besides the harvesting from Andre. Um, but yeah, this, that's really, yeah, there's not really much chit-chat about business unless it's certain guys that are into it. Absolutely, absolutely. Dre, it's been absolutely amazing catching up with you. Uh, learning you. a little Thank bit you. more about you. Uh, learning about, you know, your, your passions, your interests. Um, everything that you've gotten your hands involved with from music to obviously sports to giving back to increasing fan experiences. Really, really excited to see all of these things come into fruition and wish you nothing but success moving forward. Um, we usually end the show with, with, with one question of, you know, if you, if you had a, uh, if there's one thing in the world that you could change, what would that be? One thing in the world I could change. Yeah. It could be, it could be anything. 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 It could be poverty. It could be right. racism. Uh, would, it could be homelessness. Homelessness. Yeah. Homelessness. 
Very noble, very noble. Well, I really appreciate it once again. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today and, and sharing your story and, and insights. Uh, good luck with everything. Hopefully we'll, we'll see you on, on some turntables back in Toronto at some time soon. Absolutely, brother. Thank you. Thank you so much.